This is The Guardian. Today, the arrest of Andrew Tate, the influencer accused of human trafficking. A quick warning before we start, this episode does contain swearing and discussion of sexual violence. So you may have noticed but I'm now the most famous man on the planet. Andrew Tate, top G, most famous guy alive. We all know I deserve this fame. We all know that the world's a better place for me being famous. Some hate me, some love me, blah, blah, it doesn't matter. If you've seen Andrew Tate online, you'll know that he likes cars, cigars, and money. My amount of money is the amount of money you need to be rich. If you have less money than me, even by a single cent, you're a fucking brokey, a wagey, a peon, a peasant, a nobody. He's the kind of guy who blows smoke rings in his selfies, who thinks masculinity is threatened by women's equality, who took it upon himself to troll Greta Thunberg last week to boast about his car collection and enormous emissions and then went viral when the climate activist put him down with a single pithy line. With the information. She took aim at his manhood, but the email address <sighs> she gave him, it's smallbleepenergy at getalife.com. Can't yeah. say the middle word. You can use your imagination on that one. But Andrew Tate isn't just another internet blowhard. The self-styled king of toxic masculinity has become one of the most dangerous men online. By masculine standards, the majority of beautiful women are losers. They have no money, they're fucking emotionally fragile, all they care about is attention from Instagram. Would you agree that the smartest thing a woman can do to prevent rape is not to sit here on a podcast and try and change the way men think and talk about your bullshit, but to take some degree of personal responsibility and not put herself in a dangerous situation? Do you think that women are property? I think my sister is her husband's property, yes. He talks about hitting women and how they should be controlled by men and how he prefers to date teenagers so he can leave an imprint. He is a multimillionaire who has grown rich by owning a network of porn webcams and spamming social media through his millions of followers. Now, Tate has been arrested in Romania as part of an investigation into trafficking, rape, and forcing young women into pornography. Police in Romania raiding the home of controversial online influencer Andrew Tate. Inside the villa in Bucharest, they find an arsenal of weapons, guns, knives, and stacks of cash. But has he managed to normalize hateful misogyny to millions of young men and boys? And could criminal charges bring an end to his influence? From The Guardian, I'm Noshin Iqbal. Today in Focus, the dramatic rise and dark impact of Andrew Tate. Shanti Das, you're a reporter for The Observer. And for some time now, you've been looking at what's known as the manosphere online, 
which is a section of the internet defined by sites, blogs and forums promoting toxic masculinity and misogyny where very angry men seem to be yelling a lot about feminism. Its current most notorious figurehead is Andrew Tate. Who is he and where did he come from? Andrew Tate is 36 years old. He's British-American. He was raised on an estate in Luton. He's the son of a catering assistant and a chess master. In his 20s, he worked as a TV producer and he also trained as a kickboxer and went on to win world titles. In 2016, he appeared on Big Brother. When I eventually do get into that house, eventually, everything is going to change. Every single thing is going to change. Everyone who is friends now will not be friends 10 minutes after I arrive. That is an absolute guarantee. He was ejected from Big Brother over a video that showed him hitting a woman with a belt. He denied any abuse had occurred and said the clips showed consensual sex. After that, he made headlines for comments on Twitter, one tweet in 2017 where he said depression wasn't real and he got a lot of backlash from mental health charities. The next month he waded in on Me Too saying women should bear some responsibility for being raped. Later he was barred from Twitter. But from there he was appearing on podcasts, he started to sort of network with YouTubers. So he's sort of been floating around for a few years. When did you first notice him? So I first came across Andrew Tate in the summer of last year, before around July, August, he was virtually unheard of. But then over the summer, his videos started to pop up on TikTok. So on my feed, I wasn't really getting him, but my male friends were getting lots of videos of his, talking about his views on women, just talking about men's mental health, generally saying quite controversial things. Traffic's going this way. The traffic stopped traffic, she comes out, instead of just turning right and going on her way, she comes and just crashes into this car. And I sat there and I thought, how are women allowed to drive? And his videos were just everywhere all of a sudden. So I started to look into who was behind them because they weren't all coming from one official account. And that's when we really started to find out a little bit more about the, the kinds of accounts that were pushing his content. And there were hundreds on TikTok in particular, and also across other social media platforms. Andrew Tate could be one of millions of men spouting outrageous misogyny online for clicks. But in the last year, his profile, as you say, exploded on the internet. You first wrote about his rise in The Observer last August. Can you explain how he actually managed to grow that profile so quickly? So I think there were two things. One is that the videos were genuinely intriguing and engaging. He was painting a picture of himself as a very glamorous, rich person. My flight's delayed. But when my flight's delayed, it's not like when your flight's delayed. I'm not with a bunch of peasants in a peasant holding area with a tiny Starbucks somewhere in the corner, no. Often they would start out with quite a controversial statement. Women belong in the home, they can't drive, or a man's property. And people who would be genuinely interested in that message, either because they're shocked or because it sounded like something they hadn't heard many people saying out loud before, would watch to the end and TikTok rewards that kind of engagement. We also looked into the fact that there were loads of accounts promoting his content. They often had his face and name, but they weren't 
official profiles. We noticed that a lot of the accounts were promoting Andrew Tate's online academy, Hustlers University, which promotes itself as a way for young men to make money, to improve their lives. One of the ways that followers and fans of Tate were being encouraged to make money was by promoting Hustlers University and trying to get others to sign up. They were being encouraged to edit clips in the most controversial way and post them in what appeared to be a a very deliberate attempt to boost engagement and game the algorithm and get that content promoted to more people. By the time we published our piece in August, clips tagged with Andrew Tate's name and other sort of keywords had been watched um, more than 12 billion times according to TikTok's internal data. And he was also one of the most searched for people on Google in the world at one point exceeding searches for Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump. So he really went from this sort of complete unknown person to most people to being one of the most talked about people not only on the internet but in the world and particularly among young people who were getting the brunt of this content and repeatedly being shown it. Oh wow so he set up Hustlers University used it as a kind of scheme to get his followers to game social media algorithms and then was really canny about creating a specific kind of content Shanti, what exactly was he saying and what did he promote in these clips and videos? One of the videos that was promoted was a clip where he was acting out how he would attack a woman if she accused him of cheating. Oh, you cheater, you cheating. It's bang out the machete, boom in her face and then grip her up by the neck. What's up, bitch? He denies that he's been violent towards women, but the image that he's creating is very much one where he's comfortable talking about violence against women uh, in quite a flippant way. Shanti, are you surprised that so many people were willing to listen and even applaud someone who wants to challenge the most basic tenets of women's equality and who speaks about domestic violence in this way. We've previously had pickup artists, influencers who promote similar sorts of messages. But I think the most shocking thing is just, is not necessarily that he has these views. I think there'll always be kind of fringe personalities who can appeal to people by saying extreme things. What was really quite surprising is how mainstream platforms appear to have help to promote that image. So we did an experiment back in August where we set up a anonymous account for a teenager to see which kinds of videos they would be promoted. Within a few minutes, they were showing a video of Andrew Tate. And what we found is that the more you watched those videos, the more they were promoted. I think what's really surprising is the fact that although a lot of those videos appear to have broken the guidelines from the beginning. So TikTok, for example, bans hate speech, and it particularly says that it takes misogyny seriously. So what was really surprising is that this content was getting such traction despite going against the platform's own rules. Well, that explains how he got his videos seen and that initial attention. But can you explain why so many millions kept coming back for more? Who is he targeting? And what is his appeal to fans? A key reason why he's really popular is because he manages to connect with young men who might be 
struggling with their self-esteem. They might not have a great job. They might want to have better success in relationships. And he paints a picture of himself as being wealthy and well off. And he talks about how they are struggling. A really good example of this is on Christmas Day, he sent out a message to his subscribers saying, Merry Christmas, enjoy your time with your family. Be thankful for everything you have while being very aware it's not enough. You should have a better life than you have. You are poor. You are unimportant. Men do not fear you. Your woman disagrees with you. Your lives are shit. If I was forced to endure a year of your life, it would be the worst level of depression imaginable. But at least you're alive for now. I hope next year that your brutally mundane existence is blessed with blossoms of excitement. I hope you get to live with some adrenaline. I hope you get to be spontaneous. I hope beautiful women actually want to talk to you. And then the next day was another message urging fans to sign up to his online academy. So not only is he very much pushing the misogynistic views, but he's also a role model to boys and men who genuinely want to improve their lives. And then he kind of offers this apparent solution to that. But Andrew Tate isn't the first to tread this path, is he? I mean, I think there's a line to be drawn from Neil Strauss, who arguably put pickup artist culture into the mainstream in the mid-noughties, to Jordan Peterson, who in the last decade promoted himself as this role model for masculinity. And I think like them, Tate exploits young men's insecurities and he encourages their worst impulses. And a lot of it tallies with what we know about incels and how they form their views. But he doesn't quite fit into that mould, does he? The two are closely related in that they are both appealing to an audience who might be disillusioned. They might be unhappy with their relationships. They might be wanting more luck with women and they might resent women as a result of that. So there's definitely some crossover. But I think what's different about Andrew Tate's message is that it has much broader appeal. So it's not just appealing to those men who aren't able to find a relationship. He's talking to men who are in a relationship or who have a job, but they want to do better or they might be in a relationship and he makes them look at that relationship and think about how it's working for them. So, you know, in his messages, he talks about the fact that women should fulfill traditional family roles or that they should not sleep with that many men. And he's kind of appealing to a much broader audience, normal men and boys, as well as those who are really, really disillusioned. As you say, Tate's viral brand of misogyny has been targeting young boys and men for months now. And yet a fair few people, including shadow minister for domestic violence and safeguarding, Jess Phillips, say that they've never heard of him. Isn't that a problem? Or should we be ignoring Tate and just eye-rolling his claim to be the most famous man on the planet? I mean, we've heard from teachers who say that he's talked about more than anybody else in classrooms, that boys mimic the way that he sits and the things that he says. And I think the fact that some politicians and also parents maybe aren't aware of who he is really shows just how much of a disconnect there is in some cases between the kinds of content that young people are consuming online and the awareness of the wider world and the fact that a politician whose brief it is to be aware of what is going on online and safeguarding women doesn't know who he is just shows how much of a disconnect there is really. 
Well, there are, of course, some very high-profile people who have heard of him, and he's been seen with some pretty famous and controversial figures. Can you tell me about that? Before he became hugely famous, he was also networking with people in alt-right circles. So people who are very well known in that world in the US, the conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. And in the UK, he has mingled with Nigel Farage and spoken of his ties with the anti-Islam activist Tommy Robinson or Stephen Yaxley Lennon, who said that he'd hung out with untold times. After our investigation was published in August, there was a huge reaction from the social media platforms. TikTok, Facebook and Instagram all banned Andrew Tate's official accounts. And in the weeks and months that have followed, he's sort of built a bit of a brand around the fact that he was what he describes as cancelled. And it's led to interviews in national newspapers. He's also appeared on Piers Morgan's chat show a couple of times. So he's been able to kind of lean into this idea that he's been cancelled and become a bit of a poster boy for that. So you've told us about his worrying rise, but Shanti, his fall has been equally dramatic and quite dark. In the last couple of weeks, he was arrested in Romania. What was Andrew Tate doing there and what happened? So Andrew Tate moved to Romania around five years ago. He said in one clip, probably 40% of the reason he moved there was that it would be easier to evade rape charges. In one video, he said, I'm not a rapist, but I like the idea of just being able to do what I want. I like being free. Andrew Tate and his brother Tristan have been running a porn business where they work with women who film videos, they have a share in the proceeds. And Andrew Tate's previously talked about this. I knew some very beautiful Eastern European women whose inbox on Instagram and Facebook was being flooded nonstop with guys who were in love with them. And I thought, there must be a way to monetize this. And I, I did a little bit of research and the websites already existed. And I just started recruiting girls and putting it together. And by the end of it, by the at the height of my empire, I had 75 women in, in five locations doing half a million dollars a month. So in April, uh, we know that the brother's mansion was raided by police following a tip-off from the US embassy that a 21-year-old woman was being held there against her will. Um, the Tates were taken in for questioning before being released and they denied any wrongdoing. But since then, Andrew Tate and his brother Tristan, along with two Romanian nationals, were arrested on December 29th. Now, the online influencer Andrew Tate has been detained in Romania as part of a human trafficking and rape investigation. Mr Tate was arrested, as was his brother Tristan. We don't know the exact allegations against Andrew Tate and he hasn't been charged yet. He was originally detained for 24 hours, which was then extended to 30 days. So by the end of this month, we should have a clearer idea of what's going to happen, where the charges will be brought. But a statement from prosecutors said that the criminal group he's suspected of being a part of sexually exploited women after luring them to Romania with promises of a relationship in what the authorities describe as the lover-boy method. Six potential victims have been identified. The women were allegedly subjected to physical violence and mental coercion. 
through intimidation, surveillance, and invoking debts, and they were forced to make pornographic videos. What's really interesting is that we knew that there was an investigation ongoing as early as April of last year, and at the time that his content was being promoted by the algorithm on TikTok and he was becoming a star, this was already sort of rumbling on in the background. Those are really horrific, serious allegations. What has the response been like to Tate's arrest? So there's been an absolutely huge reaction online. And there are loads of people saying that they're very shocked. But as well as those expressions of shock, there's been a huge reaction from Andrew Tate's fans. So TikTok and Twitter in particular were flooded with posts that were sharing incorrect information about what had happened. So there were posts viewed tens of thousands of times that said he'd been released. There were also conspiracy theories saying that he'd been set up. And one of the experts that I spoke to said it's really worrying that this level of misinformation has spread and the fierce backlash that his arrest has unleashed. Because although we don't know details of what's happened yet, there are already people saying that the alleged victims are liars, that Andrew Tate's been set up. And there are worries that that could have an impact on any future investigations and potential legal proceedings. But also you have to think that for any potential victims who might be considering sharing their story to know that there's this huge, sometimes quite aggressive contingent of fans who are likely to dismiss anything that they say could be really frightening. So I think there are real potential implications for the safety of the people involved and the integrity of an investigation. Coming up, how can parents and teachers challenge the influence of online misogyny? Shanti, I've spoken to friends and interviewed young women about how this stuff is trickling out into the real world. If you take, for example, the kind of things that young women say that men are saying to them, echoing things that Andrew Tate promotes online, and I wonder how prominent you actually think his influence on those young men and the women they interact with is, and how he has managed to fill this apparent vacuum that there is for young boys and men looking for role models online. So over the last few months, we've had dozens of emails and messages from teachers, people working with young people, and also charities like Refuge, um, and also the NSPCC, who have been really concerned about the rhetoric that Andrew Tate is promoting. So Refuge, for example, says it often gets a spike when there's high-profile discussions about violence against women and it's been really worried about the number of calls that it's been getting but in schools teachers are talking about the fact that they've had concerns about the potential for boys to be radicalized the kinds of comments that they're making and there's a real concern about the impact that the sort of messaging can have on people particularly at a young age and the impact it can have on shaping their attitudes and experiences and how that might translate into their behavior and real life relationships. Well, his defenders would argue that Andrew Tate doesn't believe everything he's saying. They say he's funny, he's provocative, it's all banter. Does that matter? So Andrew Tate has claimed that videos he posts are a joke or the comments that he's made are often tongue-in-cheek. 
he says he respects women, he would never be violent towards them. But I think at the end of the day, whether it's a joke or not, it's not being interpreted in that way. And the worry is that it still has this drip drip effect where it can normalize those extreme views. But females, let me get my wording correct here, are barely sentient. So just because you watch a video doesn't mean that you're then going to go and put that into your real life behavior. But I think there's a real worry that if young people in particular are viewing this kind of content repeatedly, that that can either consciously or subconsciously have an impact on the way that they see the world, you know, what they think is normal in terms of speaking to women or to girls. And the worry is that that could have a a long lasting impact on the way that they behave. Shanti, now that Andrew Tate has been arrested and potentially faces some really serious criminal charges and his presence online is under review by some social media platforms, do you think all that stems the influence that he has and marks perhaps the beginning of an end to his career? Or will others just take his place? I mean, there are definitely other lesser known personalities who are making this type of content, trying to advise young men on how they can live their lives. And they often sort of mix this in with the misogynistic type content that we've seen from Andrew Tate. But I think what's really concerning about Andrew Tate's huge rise to popularity so quickly is how he and his followers were able to manipulate the algorithm of one of the biggest social media platforms and the way that they use that to their advantage. And there's nothing at the moment that suggests that action's been taken to prevent that happening in the future and to stop other people from exploiting those platforms in the exact same way. So if young boys and men are struggling and society doesn't seem to have an answer, allowing people like Andrew Tate to take up that space, what are the solutions here? So I think a key part of Tate's message is that he is appealing to young men who feel alienated. They don't have enough money. They're not having success in relationships or they feel that life isn't treating them fairly. And it's this idea that he's offering a solution to young men that is the really hard thing to tackle because these are genuine societal issues. And so it's not an easy solution, but I think it shows how important it is for people to have a real conversation with young people and to really be aware of what sort of material is circulating online so that they can have open conversations with perhaps boys in particular about the help that they can get and also trying to challenge some of the rhetoric that Andrew Tate and and other influencers like him are promoting which is not only that young men are struggling and the world is unfair but also that women are to blame and girls are to blame. Shanti, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Shanti Das. Do follow her reporting for The Observer and read her original piece inside the violent, misogynistic world of Andrew Tate at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by Ned Carter-Miles, Natalie Khatena and Safi Bujel. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Huma Khalili. We'll be back tomorrow.
This is The Guardian.